Welcome to the Hay Kings podcast brought to you by Vermeer, your expert in hay and forage equipment. Welcome back to Andrew Limegruber. Today, we're going to be talking about water, the most important thing in agriculture. Last time, we found a lot of similarities in our production regions. We have a lot of similarities, actually, in the Imperial Valley to, uh, to the way that, that baling and a lot of the equipment in eastern Washington I, you know, there's a little more hills and things like that. The way we irrigate is different, but kind of the only two areas still really using the Freeman balers. We're both kind of three tie with the hay squeezes and trucks and and you guys have an export presence. We have an export presence. So there's actually quite a few similarities, not so much in the climate and the growing styles, but maybe more on the haying side and actually getting the crop off. And then the retail and marketing, whether it's export or, or uh, horse hay. Exactly. You know, we're completely irrigated. Like I said, you know, two inches of annual rainfall, we fully rely on the Colorado River. We're very fortunate. Uh, The state of California has a 4.4 million acre foot allocation to the Colorado River. And the 550,000 irrigated acres in the Imperial Valley actually has 3.8 million acre feet of that allocation. We've been farming prior to 1902 in this valley. So we have those pre-federal water rights. It's kind of the way it works out in the West, you know, first come, first serve, and that's where the water goes. And, and water is always the biggest issue for any farmer on the in the West. So we're very fortunate to have the large water allocation and availability that we have. Everything is gravity fed. It's all open cement ditches. Um, it's actually a power generator, not a power user. So it makes it a very low cost and readily available water supply. But it kind of paints a target on our back as well. You know, metropolitan areas in Los Angeles, San Diego, and Las Vegas, they see that water and see how much availability we have and makes us a prime target, you know, that they can come in and buy up acres and reallocate water. And that's kind of going to be, you know, it's been my father, my grandfather's fight, and it'll be my fight and my children's fight. Um, just continuing to to fight for the right to farm and grow food. And, you know, we all like to eat cheese pizza and eat ice cream. And if we take the water from a large alfalfa producing area, you know, alfalfa is still one of the best ways to convert crop to protein for human consumption out of any crop there is. So hopefully being able to continue to do that into the future for uh, additional generations. Um, I'm a fourth generation farmer in the Imperial Valley. My great-grandfather immigrated here from Switzerland. They were dairy farmers back in Switzerland, and that's what they did originally here in the 1920s when they got here. They homesteaded 80 acres, and if you farmed it, you got it. So they started with 80 acres, and they had 20 or 30 head of dairy cows at any given time, and they grew alfalfa, and they would pasture them, and they would go out with the milking bucket, and they would milk them, and Eventually, the dairies kind of moved away and the hay production stayed and we kind of got good at growing hay and been doing it ever since. There's maybe uh, just a handful of dairies left in your part of the world, right? So the majority of your hay is getting shipped out to other parts of California. Correct. Yeah. Imperial County at one time was the, the nation's largest dairy county and now we're down to three. They kind of moved up to uh, the population centers and 
it's a very hot climate. It's it's a very expensive to keep the cows cool and stress-free in the summertime. That's kind of been the challenge. The dairies down here have switched to Jersey cows from Holsteins. Um, the Jerseys tend to handle the heat a little better. Still huge expenses and, and fans and misters and trying to keep those cows cool. And the milking efficiency really drops off in the summertime. Found it was better to grow the feed here and transport it up to the Central Valley of California and also uh, the Chino area, uh, which is essentially east of Los Angeles, that still has a lot of dairy facilities. You mentioned the city's buying land and reallocating water. What you're saying is the cities see that water that's being used for crop ground, they're buying the land, and then at some point upstream, re-diverting that water that would have gone to farming to a city somewhere. And they're paying really high dollars for this ground, right? So Metropolitan um, Water Association, uh, or department, MWD is what it's kind of referred to, um, is a huge conglomerate, a huge organization with very deep pockets, talking billions of dollars. Originally, that's the same organization that dried up the Owens River Valley which is uh, still a productive farming area, but not what it once was. It's on the eastern side of the Sierra Nevadas. Bishop is a larger city in that area. A huge alfalfa growing and actually some of the highest test hay. It's a high desert region. Some of the highest test hay in the nation is grown there. That valley was essentially dried up by Los Angeles. And they're continuing to do that. Right now, their target is on the in Riverside in the Palo Verde Valley, which is on Interstate 10, right on the Arizona border, uh, just east of Los Angeles. That is a, it's a, a farm, large farming area that has riparian water rights on the Colorado River, some of the most secure water rights second to the Native American tribes on the Colorado River. That area, their water is controlled one acre, one vote. And so what Metropolitan has been doing is they're going and buying acres. I think that area has 80,000 acres of farmed land, essentially bought 22,000 acres already. Their thoughts are they currently they buy the ground at exorbitant amounts, farm ground that was worth three to 5,000 per acre. They're buying at 22 to 26,000 per acre. So farmers and landowners just can't say no, and then they rent the ground back and farm it. But essentially what they're doing is once they own 50% of the acres, they have the votes and can dictate what is done with uh, uh, water. And that's kind of a scary thought that they can just kind of bully their way and dry up a productive growing area. Now, down in Imperial County, it's set up a little different. Uh, we're a little bit larger of a farming county than that. So what they've done with us is they try to do water transfers. And essentially, they're paying us to be more conserve our water, and they're paying conservation efforts. Um, originally, about 10 years ago, they paid for fallowing. So they were paying farmers not to grow, to fallow their land and then transfer the water to the cities. That was kind of a big problem for the local economy. Fallowed acres meant less jobs, uh, one less hay truck on the road, less tractor operators, exporters and squeezes and you name it, we're getting less business. So following's kind of a got a real bad look and it just, you know, I don't believe any of it's good for farming in the long run. They've converted now to now they're trying to pay farmers to conserve water by putting in system conservation. So 
This is going from flood irrigation to drip irrigation, overhead, sprinklers, water recovery systems where you're essentially taking the tail water off of a flooded field and pumping it back up to the head ditch. All these different kind of methods and uh, line, cement lining of dirt canals um, for seepage, all those different kind of things to save water. And what water they save, they transfer to the cities. My fear is it's going to be death by a thousand cuts, that if they continue to to try to show the, the residents of our county that that they can make more off being paid for the water than farming with it, which I think is a red herring and not actually going to happen, they'll just continue to take more water. Um, and it's a scary fact. And when we grow out and we, I've recently purchased some additional farmland and I'm going to be making payments on that for the next 25 years. I sure hope I have water for that land to be able to make those land payments um, so that I can continue to, to farm and be profitable. Let's take a break there and we'll get a word from our sponsor. I'm Danny Wan and, and I switched to the Vermeer 604R because I believe this baler is built to last. I bail about 4,000 bales a year, and I think as much money you give for a baler, they need to bail 4,000 bales a year, even if it's for 10 years, they, they need to get it done. The day I ran it, we absolutely had no issues at all. It fired up and I bailed like some guy. <laughs> it just bailed all day long. Hear the full story at makinghay.com slash haykings. You mentioned in that other valley there's uh, a regulatory organization over the water where it's one acre, one vote. What's the regulatory structure for the water in the Imperial Valley? So we have a irrigation board. So in that Palo Verde, that's the Palo Verde Irrigation District. And it's a lot smaller of a district. And they, you know, the landowners kind of really control it. In our district, it's a populist vote. You have a board of directors that is voted for by five districts. So it's actually, in my mind, a little scarier in our valley because Typically, you have the whole general populace voting on issues that really primarily affect just a handful of landowners and farmers. And when you have a powerful organization like Metropolitan that can come in and make all these promises to the the public, sometimes it's difficult. But right now we have, you know, IID directors that have an understanding that we're a primarily agricultural driven valley. And if the water leaves, then the jobs leave and we become a dried up piece of desert land that's worthless, where with water we can do so much. I think our county's GDP um, was $1.1 billion of gross domestic product from agriculture. Cattle's our number one industry, uh, alfalfa's our second, and then you start getting the different produce crops, um, lettuce and melons and things like that, the high value crops. But, uh, you know, agriculture is, is everything in, in our valley. Um, without, without that, all we would really have is kind of the border, the border patrol jobs and government jobs. And we would be a, a pass through on Interstate 8 between San Diego and Phoenix and a couple of fast food restaurants and nothing else. That certainly speaks to the importance of water. Water is life in our valley. Yeah, water is everything. This Imperial Valley uh, was actually, had, we had surveyors prior to the Civil War that uh, were able to see this area was below sea level by water, uh, water formations on the mountains around the valley. Over time, the Colorado River would re-divert itself and, and 
and fill this this valley. That's where the Salton Sea came from. So they knew if the Salton Sea, if this was below sea level and the Colorado River flew to the ocean, that they could get the Colorado River water to this valley and they could farm it without any kind of pumping. It would be gravity fed. The Civil War broke out and unfortunately, you know, kind of those efforts got diverted. But then in the early 1900s, they got back on the project and started diverting water and and uh, started farming. And eventually, um, kind of the New Deal spurred all the Hoover dams and controlling because the Colorado River before all the dam projects was a kind of wild flowing river that sometimes it would dry up to a trickle and other times it would be a rushing flood. So eventually they built all the dam projects along the Colorado River that I'm sure anyone who's been to Las Vegas have seen the Hoover Dam. There's actually a series of 20 dams along the Colorado River. We have a 15-year supply of water behind all those different Lake Powell and Lake Martinez and several different lakes along the Colorado River that um, it's kind of what ensures the our, our growing season, that having that huge reservoir and and uh, water saved up to continue to farm. Yeah, that well, we could talk all day about water. Um, <laughs> it's kind of become my second job, apart from making hay and selling hay. Is uh, is you know for four generations, my family has primarily been flood irrigating. Over the last decade, you know, we've looked into all these different types of irrigation. Um, we have some challenges with surface water. Um, we have a lot of salinity in our water. We have a lot of silt. You can have high moss and all these things make up for a lot of challenges when you start pumping with pivots or with drip irrigation, unprecedented amount of, of uh, filtration. Also, you know, we have Valley, uh, linear systems that we've just started using the last five years. We basically, these, you know, valleys based out of Nebraska, primarily pivots and linears, in Nebraska are supplementing rainwater. So they get on average 20 inches of rain a year and then they have dry seasons. They got to turn the, turn the pivots on, right? We don't have, we're not supplementing rainwater. We are applying water through irrigation. So when we put in a linear, we basically had to get all the engineers from Valley Irrigation to uh, completely reinvent the wheel. We, we have a half a uh, half mile long system that pumps 4,600 gallons per minute. It has a 16 foot intake. I mean, the the size of the intake that it takes to get that kind of a pump, um, <laughs> it, it's it's substantial. And and where you'll see a drop hose, you know, every six feet on a pivot, normally we have you know one every six inches. Yeah, it's just uh, just trying to get uh, the volume of water down that you need to. Right, getting the volume of water. Um, with that high salinity in our water, we also tile drainage systems under all of our fields, um, usually five to six feet deep, um, just to, to drain any of that that salt. We have to we have to over irrigate to leach that salt. Um, otherwise, we'll just completely salt up the ground. This is fascinating. Having a pivot on top and tile underneath in a desert. <laughs> There's probably somebody in Iowa listening to this, tipping over, thinking. Tile in a desert? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, and then you can tell when we get a half inch of rain, uh, it's like flash floods. You know, and I'm sure a half inch of rain in Washington is, a, you know, just a sprinkle and barely, you know, keeps the dust down. That's a welcome sight, especially today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Thank you so much for sharing. Nice to talk with you, John. 